Welcome to the wonderful world of wine. We're your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Thank you for joining us today. Kim and I are here to talk all things wine with you, and every week we find topics and trends in the wine world and come to discuss them with you. At first, we like to tell what we Googled ourselves this week. So, Kim, what did you research on Google this week? So I have been looking up weather-related information. So Europe has been having quite a hot summer, a lot of heat waves all over the place. We were watching World Cup soccer in France. They were saying about how hot the games have been, even when they've been playing at 8 o'clock at night local time. And we always kind of keep an ear open to how those things are affecting wineries, the fruit itself, vineyards, the workers, and all that sorts of stuff. So I've been paying attention to what's been going on with uh, wineries all over France and with these heat waves. You know, there there is significant impact to the vineyards when it comes to this sort of heat. So not only can it be very dangerous for vineyard workers to be outside when it's over 100 degrees. You know, remember the last time that we really saw a hot, hot vintage affecting the final resulting wines. I remember back the 2003 vintage was super duper hot and hundreds of people died across Europe because of the heat. And we ended up with wines that were so extracted and so full of sugar and so high in alcohol that it really impacted the final styles of the wine. And I'm thinking that we're going to have a similar vintage this year at the 2019s. And what did you Google this week, Mark? This week, Kim, I was researching wine in kegs. So everybody's familiar with beer comes in keg form, but a lot of people don't know that wine is trending in kegs. And I wanted to check out what are the volumes that you can get. So there's really two sizes of wine kegs. There's the 20 liter keg, which is equal to 26 bottles of wine. And there's the five gallon keg, which is 18 liters, which is equal to about 24 bottles. So trending because of reducing carbon footprint, restaurants have been kind of going towards this movement. So I I wanted to check out what the volumes were. So if somebody were to want to purchase a keg of wine, is this just for restaurants? Is this for home consumption? Like who's the end user of a keg of wine? That's what I want to change because right now it's a restaurant is big Mm -hmm. into it. But I think people that have keg kegerators where they have two taps, they could convert one to wine. So they can have one wine, one beer. Or if they're having a party and they want to get a beer keg, they can also get a wine keg. So is it the same technology that one would use? Like can you take a keg of wine and just hook it up to your tap system and start dispensing wine? Or do you have to have different technology? to it's, use it. The technology is technically the same. The equipment is a little different. Okay, I guess I should have said equipment. It's a different line. It's a different gas. So you need new equipment and if you wanted yeah, to have a keg of wine. Yeah, and it's easy conversion, oh, okay. but will save you some money. Interesting. And so something for the future. Absolutely. 
Our first topic today is something we've touched a few times on, I believe, Kim, about how wine stains your teeth. And this article was about which red wine is the most likely to stain your teeth. So in the future, I think what we're going to do, Kim, is bring a dentist in to talk about this. But for now, let's talk to our listeners about how wine stains your teeth. What's in wine that causes your teeth to be stained? So it's a couple of things. So it's an interaction between two things in your red wine. Um, You've got the pigments, which is what gives red wines their color and sometimes their unique colors. The pigmentation in a Pinot Noir is less than the pigmentation in a Cabernet. You know, you can see through a Pinot Noir. You generally can't see through your glass of Cab, but also the tannins. So it's the interaction between the pigments in the wine and the tannins in the wine. And what tannins are really, really good at doing is binding to proteins. That's why a big Cabernet goes so great with a big steak, because the tannins in the wine bind with the proteins in the steak and create a really wonderful flavor sensation in your mouth. And it does the same exact thing on your teeth. So the tannins and the pigments together will bind with the proteins on the surface of your teeth and then stick. So that is why you end up with discolored teeth if you drink some big red wines. So red wines most likely to stain when you're talking about about pigments would be obviously darker colored wines. Right. So, you know, you're talking your Malbecs, your Cabernets, maybe to a limited extent your Merlots. But this article found that the worst offender was Syrah, which is also known as Shiraz. So if you're drinking Australian Shiraz or California Shiraz or California Syrah, that tends to be the grape variety that stains the most. So pigments... Going way back in in ancient times, were pigments what they used to make lipstick for women? Like, oh yeah, sure. But pigments from other things, so not necessarily from grapes. grapes. Um, But you know, different, certainly different fruits, but flowers and minerals and from all sorts of things in nature. Yeah, absolutely. So personally, when I drink wine, I think my lips get more stained than my teeth. Mm -hmm. And it's you've probably seen this too. You if you go to a winery or you meet a winemaker, you start noticing. Yeah. That they either have I get it on a my lips rim too. around the right. So I wonder if that this is something we have to ask a dentist when we have a guest. But I wonder if certain people build up proteins different on their teeth that they collect pigments more on the. Or on their I teeth wonder if a lot of wine just wine drinkers as opposed to wine professionals that it's more their teeth and not their lips because they're not spitting the wine out, but we are. Yeah, that's so true. maybe our lips get that second exposure to the wine when we spit it out. So that could be part of why we end up looking like we're all wearing you know, Shiraz lipstick. So part of the article was how can you prevent staining your teeth when drinking red wine? And interesting enough, it said to eat cheese. This was a very surprising I was going to ask you that. Did you know me. that? I, I, I didn't, didn't know that. Um, it seems like you're double doubling down on the proteins, but maybe it's the fat. So like if you're eating cheese, then your teeth are now coated with fatty material and then the, the wine just sort of slides right off. But cheese is also high in protein. So I wonder why that works. So they're saying the proteins in the cheese binds to your teeth and the the wine then doesn't stick, then doesn't, doesn't yep. bind to the teeth, right. which I, it was out there. I never, yeah, I, never I thought that was that. very interesting. I, and then maybe course, I have to experiment now. They said to brush right after. No, they said don't brush right after. I thought the thing, oh, because of the acid, right? Yes. So this is actually a good rule of thumb for people. So it, uh, most people, I'm sure, care about the state of their teeth. So if you are a wine drinker, don't brush your teeth immediately after having a glass of wine. Not only is it going to taste terrible, but you are going to do some damage to your teeth. And the reason for that is, is that all wines are relatively high in acid. And for 
a while after you drink the wine, the acids in the wine make the enamel coating on the outside of your teeth a little softer. So if you immediately brush your teeth while that enamel is in sort of a softer stage, you're going to weaken it. So wait at least an hour after finishing your last glass of wine before you go and brush your teeth. I do remember this topic now because we discussed with our listeners before that as wine professionals, you're told not to brush before Mm -hmm. you taste because it ruins your taste buds. So basically wine professionals don't brush at all. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least not around the time of a wine tasting. Yeah. And a few times I've made that mistake where I'd be going to a wine tasting and you want to brush your teeth, but then you're tasting the wines like, geez, I'm still tasting that Colgate from three (laughs) hours ago, right? So what are other, are there any other foods playing on this cheese protein? Do you think if you have meat, like a, that it's the same? I don't know. Like if I'm eating a juicy burger, a lot lot of protein, but is that protein not sticking to your teeth? Well, see, I think I need to know a little bit more information about why cheese. Like why is cheese going to be the thing that is going to help your teeth? And it would seem counterintuitive to do something protein because I think you're at, if you're adding protein, then it's going to make your teeth stain more. And I'm wondering if it's the fat. So I don't know. Olive oil? Yeah, that'll really coat your teeth. They'll coat you your teeth and then it's though. not going to be stained in your teeth. Yeah, I don't you, know. Protect you your enamel be, with you olive oil. taste the wine too. So right. you have to be careful on that. You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine. We are your hosts, Kim and Mark. You can find out more information about Mark on his website, franklinliquors.com, and more about myself at vinitaswineworks.com. So now we want to talk about new innovations in wine and in wine appreciation. And it's kind of broken down into two parts. So there are new technologies that are available to restaurants for serving the customer either new types of wine or using technology in new ways in their restaurants and then ways that technology are impacting the way that we are enjoying wine at home. So sort of interesting that, you know, we can talk about wine technology and we can talk about new innovations in wine, but that there are different things for where you are enjoying that glass of wine, whether you're out having it or whether you're at home. And I know, Mark, that you are a big fan of all these trending technological topics in wine and that you're always right in front when it comes to the new stuff that's coming out. So I'm curious to hear from you which ones you think are going to have some staying power and which ones are not going to stick around for a while as far as their technology goes. I love the gadgets, Kim. I know you love gadgets. The gadgets, the technology, and it's incorporated into the wine world. A few of these, we'll start with the the restaurants. A few of these are innovations that have been around for years. But the first one they talked about is how technology is changing by the glass sale and restaurants. So it's all about automating the pour and preserving the wine. So they don't have to open a bottle, maybe only get one pour and then you're taking a chance the next day you're getting a bottle by the glass that's open for a couple of days. Right. So it's fresh and you're in the industry so you know. And we talked earlier about keg. So keg wine is one of those mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, this is great not only for the consumer, but it's great for the restaurant as well because a restaurant doesn't want to be throwing out wine at the end of the day and they want to make sure that their customer has the best experience that they possibly can. So not only is it good for the restaurant because they're saving on a lot of wastage, but it's great for the guest because the guest knows that they're getting, you know, a nice fresh glass of wine. So I think that other than the expense associated with adding any new technology, because anytime you make a big change, there is an expense associated with it. But I think that this is great for both the restaurant and for the guest that is eating at that restaurant, drinking at that restaurant. And I think the consumer
consumers in the wine buyer should appreciate that expense that these restaurants are going through to preserve it or control it. And lately, I think it was Plymouth I saw there was a, a wine bar that opened and it's a totally automated uh, serving system. So you walk up to a machine, you get a card when you walk in. Mm-hmm. It knows when you put it in the machine how many ounces you're getting, how many servings you got. You put so much money on it. So it's basically controlling. Everything's fresh and it's controlling the consumption as well. And so this is at a restaurant? It was at a, a restaurant, I believe it was in Plymouth. It was oh, just wow. recently in the news. Because I've seen that in a lot of retail places where they'll allow customers to have like a half an ounce or an ounce sample of a wine to, you know, they can decide whether they want to buy that bottle or not. But I haven't seen it so much on, in the industry we call where you drink wine at the place that you buy it. We call those on-premise. So an on-premise place is a restaurant or a wine bar. But I've seen this more in stores and and not really on in on-premise locations. So I think that's that's cool. Yeah, it's I I love the idea. So new technology and, and that's very expensive. So you have to appreciate that what they're doing and it takes a lot of space too so that's another thing that needs to be taken into account if a restaurant is going to switch over to some of these new innovative things that are coming into the market is that you need to do you need to rethink your bar do you need to rethink your storage so something that could change things up a lot in a restaurant the next uh, innovation in the restaurant Kim they talked about was digitizing the wine list and I'm sure you can appreciate this many times you go to a restaurant they hand you this huge book or list it's very difficult to keep Keep that updated when vintages change or when products are in or out. So now they're on uh, tablets. They're handing you a tablet. You can electronically see the list. You can get more information electronically of the wines. Are you a fan of this technology in a wine list, Kim? I mean, this is something that seems restaurants are moving in this direction. You know, we already see it with bill pay for, you know, a number of restaurants will have the, you know, it's kind of like an iPad where you'll get that at the end of your meal or it'll be just sitting there right there at your table. And when you're done, you know, you swipe your credit card and you pay your bill right from the table. So I think a transition from that sort of a thing to having the menu on some sort of an electronic tablet or device doesn't seem to be too big of a jump. And I know that there already are restaurants that are using this sort of technology in this way. I like it just for the fact that I can zoom in on it and I don't have, I, I can't don't see it. Don't you bring your reading glasses? No, <laughs> I can't see it all. So uh, next game, which I thought was an interesting thing they mentioned was the ride share feature technology. I thought this is great. Um, this sort of there's chatter in the industry about how when self-driving cars become a reality, how is that going to impact drunk driving and that people no longer will feel like that they have to be too concerned about drunk driving because they're not the ones doing the driving. So I think this is going to change up how we view consuming wine out at restaurants and in public and then the safety aspect of making sure that people don't have too much to drink and then get behind the wheel of their car. Not just the too much to drink thing, but you want to go and have a glass of wine, but people are nervous. So now I'm taking an Uber. I'm going to enjoy a glass of wine with my meal and not have to worry. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think it's a great thing. And you mentioned the technology on the table. They can also put that type of stuff, order your Uber, pay your bill, mm-hmm. call an Uber or whatever. I think it's great. The other thing they mentioned, Kim, was something that's been around for a while now. I don't see it as a new technology, but augmented reality where using your phone, a label or something comes to life. So you're interacting with the wine list or a wine label. And you love this. I, you know, you it, love this it tech. Was, it was hot for a while. I think it's kind of phased out a lot now. I mean, have you seen it in the restaurant industry where it's being used? No. So, I mean, they're talking specifically here, restaurant industry. I, I don't see that maybe on the wine list where you can do something more with the list to bring you to a vineyard or something like that. But I see it more retail or home user experience. Yeah. Than From a restaurant. restaurant perspective, I'm not 
sure how in-depth people necessarily want to go when they're choosing their wine. The the choosing of your wine generally doesn't take all that long. You want to you want to appreciate the bottle and you want to pe- appreciate the glass when you have it with your meal. But I, I think that when people go out to dinner, you know, they want to appreciate the food. They want to appreciate the company that they're with and not necessarily spend that much time delving into the vineyard site of where this particular bottle of wine came from. So I'm not sure how applicable this technology is for a restaurant setting. You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine, and we are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone. If you'd like to get more information about Kim, please go to her website at vinitaswineworks.com. If you'd like to get more information about myself, please go to franklinliquors.com. And if you'd like to send us questions or comments, find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. So we've been talking about technological innovations in consumer appreciation of wine, and we spoke a little bit about some of the new trending technologies that are coming to restaurants. And then there are also things for people to use at home as well. So there are all sorts of newer sort of nifty devices that people can use at home to either increase their wine appreciation and enjoyment or um, to help them with their record keeping at home. So that seems to be a big part of where some of these, uh, where some of this tech is going. And I know you love your gadgets, Mark. Yeah. A few of these, they were first thing they started with was what they called next generation decanters. So so we've talked in the past many times, our listeners are familiar, you open a bottle of wine, you have a nice glass decanter, you pour it in to aerate it. But these new devices are taking this to the next level. And I had never seen any of these before, but this is sort of fascinating. It, it wasn't. In, in the uh, Wine Enthusiast magazine has a accessories catalog, and they had this device called the Eye Sommelier. And it looked like a Mr. Coffee machine to me <laughs> that had a decanter that sits on what it looked like a hot plate. And you would pour the wine into it and you would tell the machine punch in uh, through an app what type of wine it is what the vintage of it was and it would suggest how long it should be aerated before you drink it so instead of if it was supposed to be 30 minutes it could take two minutes hmm. and i wasn't i didn't see anything happen into the wine did you kim it was a staring it heating it it just sat there yeah i and he said he took it off and i think it's actually injecting the wine with oxygen but there were no tubes in the top of the yeah, decanter. i don't know the way that it was described was that oxygen is being sort of pumped into the wine like a micro oxygenation kind of thing going on but i, I yeah, I didn't see any any movement going along it with it. It looked like a, a, the stairs I used to see in medical labs where you'd, you'd put something on top of the plate and you'd put a magnet in it and it would circulate mm. the in heat at the same mm. time. So, Well, I can't imagine there's heat being applied. Well... I, I don't know what it was doing, but for I think it was uh, like $400, $500. For $500, I wish they would have said, this is what's happening. <laughs> I mean, they showed the video. And I might just swirl my wine for yeah, $500. Yeah, for $500. And, and, and I tell you right now, I cannot put another wine gadget on my kitchen counter. My wife's going to kill me. <laughs> so this thing took a lot of space. I just, I didn't know what it was doing, but it's out there. If you want to research it, you can, it's I Sommelier. There's a nice YouTube video of it. Then they had another version of it, Kim, called the V-Spin, which was looked, it was a much smaller device, but similar where it swirls the, the wine and you could actually see the swirling mm-hmm. like a vortex spinning it. So to me, 
I could put the wine in the decanter and do that myself. But so it's all I'm about, a gadget guy. It's all but. about oxygenating the wine, opening it up. This is you know the technique where people will say, going to let the wine breathe. Um, you're adding oxygen to it. So that releases some of those aromas and uh, and makes it a little bit softer as far as its tannins go. And especially for red wines, you know, this makes it a little bit more approachable and hopefully more delicious to your palate. See, I'm, I'm a gadget guy like and I'm a wine guy, but even this doesn't, it, 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 I didn't want to get it. A lot of times I see in one thing when we get on this list, I did buy, but this to me, it just, Maybe I don't, the next I don't see generation. It. Maybe they need to refine it a little bit more and with the second generation well, of it, it'll be more appealing. Well, it's a time thing. Instead of waiting, you know, an hour, yeah. 40 minutes, you, you can do this in one minute. Maybe people's time is worth $500, you know what <laughs> I mean? So to me, I'll wait. Right. Next, Kim, they had an old, we talked about this device in the past. It, they call it a single pour system. It's called the Coravin. And basically, the gentleman who invented this device lived in Massachusetts. Yeah, Massachusetts. He, he was in the medical field. And it's a device that has a needle that pierces the cork. The cork. It sucks out the wine and, and puts gas in the bottle. So you never have to open the bottle. And you can get fresh pours for a long period of time. Right. And we talked about it. And Have you ever experienced using one of these? I have. I don't own one. But I, I've seen it used and I've uh, I've tried it out myself. It's technology that's been around for about 10 years. It's not necessarily for that $12 bottle of wine that you're not sure that you're going to finish that night and you want to have a second glass of the next day or the day after that. This is more for wines that you really want to see what they taste like or you have a large collection and you want a glass of something without necessarily having to drink the entire bottle. So it is more of a specialty, higher end kind, kind of a product. Product. It's not for necessarily using on your everyday wines. Yeah, and the basic model costs about two hundred dollars. Plus just, the gas, you have the to gas purchase as well. So. Which you go through fairly quick if yeah. you if you're if you're using a lot of wine. Frequent. And then they just came out with like a three thousand dollar version, which is based on an app and very technology re- related more than the basic version. But to me, I never understand the people in the business, salespeople. I see very few salespeople who use it. When they visit you, Kim, do you see people with this gadget? I have not seen too many industry people using the Coravin for for showing samples. Which I, I, don't I think understand. it just I think that comes down to the gases, though. Honestly, expense? like it's less expensive to just pop open another bottle of wine in a few days to show samples than it is to constantly be putting new gas canisters in your Coravin because would, every single time you pour out a serving of it, you need to refill all of that space with gas. So you're going to go through those canisters really quickly if you're visiting eight accounts in one day. Yeah, and so our listeners can get a kind of a visual of what this gas can it looks like it's probably about two inches tall maybe half inch wide it's a little tiny bottle so it doesn't store much gas yeah we're not talking about the size of your soda stream here i would love to see some sort of cost study of if a company gave a person one of these versus giving out bottles and dumping the bottles yep it's all about giving people fresh fresh wines Mm -hmm. and they do make a version where you don't have to pierce a cork it has an adapter for a screw cap wine so you take the screw cap off and then you replace it with the Coravin supplied. Another accessory yes. that they sell. Correct. And these are sold in <laughs> Bed Bath & Beyond. They're sold at major retailers now. But the, the point you said about the gas, that is the most negative thing I've heard for most people. They go through so much gas, they just get sick of changing the, yep. the gas. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard as well. So what's next, Kim, on the, on the technology for wine at home? So the next one is personalized wine clubs. Joining a wine club that will assess what your 
your tastes are, what you like to drink, what new things you might want to try, and then, you know, creating a personalized wine selection to then send to you, which is kind of a little bit about what we do when when we want to get to know a person and get to know the kind of wines that they like and then help recommend some new things to them. This but is technology, though. This technology. It's a technology list, and right. they say in a wine club. A wine club's been around for years. Right, but this focus on, okay, this is what you like, fill out this survey, and we will use these um, these algorithms to determine what's the next thing that you're going to like. That's where the use of the new tech comes so in. So it's, it's the profile in technology. Right, right, to determine kind of what your profile is as far as what kinds of wines that you like. Which I agree. And I told you yep. in the past, one wine club I looked into did a DNA test. Oh, right. Which I thought was a complete scam because by the time <laughs> I sent my sample in, I think I got a result like the next. It's like, no way, right? But anyway, they that's spend that much time doing the technology that's for you. That's technology. Um, so the next one is a device that maybe you can explain a little bit more. I didn't quite understand what they were talking about this. My Eno? I say Oino. Oni. It's O Eno. Oino. You're probably right because we always battle pronunciation. know. It's French, and I did a startup campaign on it where I got in on it early, and I think it was like seventy-five dollars. It. It's about a two-inch high device. It looks like, I don't know how to explain it, like a maybe a small pencil case. And the whole idea about it is you put it in your wine, you dip it in your wine, and it has sensors in it that tells you the tannin level, the acidity level, and you can track and document, and it, it'll recommend how long it will last, and you can create a catalog. And if you rate it, then when you measure another wine, you can tell if you'll like it before you even taste it. So you putting this in your glass you of wine? Physically you dip physically dip it in your wine. So like a thermometer almost. Exactly. Okay. And it has little LED lights that tell you when it's at temperature, when to put it in. And it took me a while to figure out not only how to use it, but how to interpret it because everything was French when it first was released. But it has an app and most of the wines in it are French. So I had to catalog my own wines, but it was a good gadget and it had good visuals to it when you when you did the uh, graph came out of it. But just a gadget. Mm-hmm. True gadget. True yeah. gadget. Really using a gadget at home. Something fun, and, and people would bring a wine to me, and I'd be dipping it in. They're like, "What? You know, what are you doing? <laughs> this guy's weird." I'm taking its temperature, and I think it's still in my bag, and I haven't used it since. Oh. Another, another one of those. Well, maybe we need to uh, do a wine club thing with the my Oino. Oino. That's how I say it. Like onology, onology. But that's enology. Enology. So my maybe, this, maybe this is Eno. It must be Eno <laughs> then. Must be Eno. All right, and so the last one that they were talking about was using smart technology for your wine cellar. And this was in conjunction with a fantastic website that I use fairly frequently. It also has an app called Cellar Tracker. And not only does it allow you to keep an ongoing record of what wines you have in your wine cellar, if you have a wine cellar, um, but you can put in your own tasting notes. It'll give recommendations as to when to drink them. And then there are crowdsourced tasting notes from other people. So if other people out there are using the same app, using the same website and putting in their notes for that wine, it'll all show up. So you have this idea from other people as far as what their experience with the wine is. And they have ways that you can scan barcodes and that you know exactly what you have in your cellar and you don't have to worry about entering data or you know writing it on little tags, which is what I do in my wine cellar. So it's just a different way of using technology to keep your stuff organized. And for collectors, this is great technology. To me, it's all about, it's just an app 
another version of an app for wine technology. And the other day, Kim, every time I see a release, a press release on an app for wine, I'll download it. Mm -hmm. And then the other day I was going through my phone and I couldn't believe how many apps I accessed on my phone that I didn't even know where I got it from or Uh what it was related to. There's so much stuff out there. I always get nervous, though. If I don't download it right away, I'll forget about it. But then I download it and I forget about it. You forget about it anyway. So there's so (laughs) many wine apps out there. And I think that technology is is always great. Yeah, that one's a keeper. There's podcast apps. There's inventory apps. There's tasting apps, consumer shopping apps. But I think that's the technology they're talking about. They stressed on the inventory control, which I don't have a collection to have to track like like this yeah but but that one's nice because it is it's just it's very well done and you can search by vintage you can search by producer everything in there what i appreciate about that one is that the data is really clean like they don't there are a lot of other sites that you might go to that one wine might have three entries because somebody entered it slightly differently than somebody else but i like seller tracker because it really is it's very professional it's very clean the data is really good so that is one of the reasons why i use it so often that's a good point you don't want everybody entering their own interpretation of the label one person controls so it's one entry and they obviously have people who know about wine in control of it because it really is very good Thank you for listening today to The Wonderful World of Wine. We've been your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lenzi, and we enjoyed our time with you. If you want to visit us on Facebook, please go to our page, The Wonderful World of Wine. Leave us your questions and comments. And for previous episodes, you can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Cheers. Wine, wine, wine.